Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. From The Recount, I'm Kimberly Gavant, filling in for Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today is Wednesday, October 13th. It has created a lack of trust that the healthcare system has their best interests at heart, and trust is foundational in healthcare. That was Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare talking about medical racism and the impacts it has on the health and well-being of minority communities. Rena Ninen digs into that with Dr. Batchelor a little later on. But first, your morning headlines. We begin in Washington, D.C., where the Biden administration ordered a halt to all large-scale immigration arrests at job sites. The administration is also working on a new enforcement strategy to more effectively target employers who pay substandard wages and engage in exploitative labor practices. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas gave immigration officials 60 days to devise proposals to better protect workers who report their bosses from deportation. The goal is to reduce demand for illegal labor while making it easier for workers to step forward and report unfair labor practices. Next, to the Food and Drug Administration. For the first time ever, the FDA has authorized an e-cigarette for sale in the U.S., saying the Vuz e-cigarette could help adult smokers quit or significantly reduce their cigarette consumption. The only three products authorized were all tobacco-flavored. Their manufacturer, R.J. Reynolds, is a nearly 150-year-old company behind many iconic and deadly cigarette brands, including Camel, Newport, and Pall Mall. The decision comes during a contentious time for the FDA, as calls to scrutinize and regulate the vaping industry continue to build. Another vaping manufacturing company, Puff Bar, recently modified its recipe to use synthetic nicotine, avoiding FDA regulation altogether. We end with the Department of Labor, which just released an eye-popping report showing that 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August. That's just under 3% of the workforce. The industries affected most were hospitality and retail. 
The drop was driven primarily by ample job opportunities, but inconvenient hours and low compensation were also factors. According to the report, there were 10.4 million job openings at the end of August, a stat that gives significant leverage to the worker looking for a better gig. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, workers are quitting at or near the highest levels on record since it first started measuring it in 2001. And now to our daily deep dive. The pandemic has exposed glaring inequalities throughout American society that weren't really visible outside of the communities experiencing them. That includes the healthcare industry. Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare, penned an op-ed in the Atlantic September issue titled, I'm a black doctor. My mom still won't get vaccinated. It was only in the middle of our interview that we found out her mother had recently passed. Dr. Batchelor, thanks for joining us on the Recount Daily Pod. Thank you. Why do you think it is that your 93-year-old mother won't get vaccinated? My mother, like many other African-Americans and people of color in this country, has had experience with and observations of both personal and structural racism in healthcare and in other areas of life in this country. And she's aware, like many African-Americans are aware, that our communities don't have access to the same resources and opportunities for health that other communities have. It has created a lack of trust that the healthcare system has their best interests at heart. And trust is foundational in healthcare. If you don't trust your providers, you're not likely to rely on their advice or follow through on their recommendations. And with my mother, I saw this playing out in real time with her reluctance to get a COVID vaccine. And you go on in the article, say your mother is college educated. She married a mathematician, raised three kids in a neighborhood chosen for its good schools. Is she vaccinated now? Has she changed her mind? Well, you know, the story of my mother and the healthcare system didn't end with the story that I wrote for The Atlantic. Unfortunately, um, my mother was sick recently and was hospitalized again and recently passed. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Thank you. While she was in the hospital, though, I was able to get her vaccinated. But unfortunately, it was too late to benefit her. That must be so hard. You are a doctor seeing this, working in the medical profession, and the frustration that must come understanding that your mother refused to get vaccinated. Yes, I was very frustrated by it, but I also understood it. And when the vaccines first came out and were being promoted, my mother kind of summed up her hesitancy and her distrust And she said to me, uh, you know, we aren't fools. We know they're not going to give us the same vaccine they're giving themselves. Wow. And that was really emblematic of her distrust and of the distrust of many in the African-American community. You know, we can see that our health care is not the same as health care in other communities. In the community that my hospital serves, it's a low-income black and brown community Most of the residents are insured through Medicaid, and Medicaid pays pennies on the dollar for the same healthcare services that Medicare and commercial insurance are paying so much more for. As an example, let's say an average emergency room visit would pay $2,000 from commercial insurance, $650 from Medicare, and $150 
from Medicaid. So when you have these kind of large glaring disparities in funding, it leads to large disparities in access, quality, and outcomes. And people who live in our communities are quite aware of this. Is this inequality of health care reversible? It absolutely is reversible. I think that the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that it exists. And then we have to have the will to change it. We have to believe that all lives should be valued and that every community deserves access to quality health care. And then we have to invest in healthcare services in our underserved communities. We need to be willing to pay for prevention, disease management, and access to providers in underserved communities of color. We need to diversify the healthcare workforce. We know that when we go to seek healthcare, that there aren't many providers who look like us. We need to change that. All of these are things that are changeable with the right policies and the right awareness and determination. You say there aren't people that look a lot like you. This statistic really said so much to me. Black male medical students accounted for 3.1% of all medical students. This was back in 1978. Today, that number has dropped to 2.9%. This was in 2019. Why do you think it is that we don't see enough Black doctors in America? I think that we as a society have underinvested in education for low-income communities, and we continue to underinvest in that education. Going to medical school is you know, the end of a long educational journey, but it's also an expensive journey. And students who don't have resources come out of medical school with, with huge amounts of debt. So I think we need to have adequate funding for students of color to study medicine, and then we have to make it possible for them to practice in communities of color. If we underfund healthcare in low-income communities, we won't solve the problem by producing more doctors because they won't be able to establish practices. So we need to do both of those things. We've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare on The Recount Daily Pod. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome back to The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare. We're talking about medical racism. I think when you have constantly had good access to healthcare, 
it's hard to understand what some black and brown communities are going through, how this concept of medical racism, how do you explain this to them? It is hard to understand what goes on in other communities. And, you know, I try to explain it through a combination of stories about real people and the kind of data that we've been discussing today. So one of the data points that I share with people is the fact that diabetic amputations and wounds are the number one surgical procedure that we conduct at our hospital. So you stop and think about that for a minute. Diabetic amputations are entirely preventable. The fact that we see so many people in our hospital that need to have their limbs amputated is a reflection of the lack of care in our community. Our community lacks 1,200 doctors in comparison with other communities. The average community has 10 times as many doctors as South LA. The result is chronic conditions like diabetes that are poorly managed and that are in stage. Do you think there is a link between Black vaccine hesitancy and how people are treated within the healthcare system? Um, absolutely. We all have experiences within the healthcare system ourselves. And even as a doctor, I have the same kinds of experiences that other people of color have. Even while my mother was in the hospital being treated, the doctors that were caring for her were treating me with disrespect and dismissing my concerns and my input. I'm a doctor and I am observing things and I'm sharing my observations and my concerns with her doctors and they are flat out dismissing me and not listening to me. How did you deal with that? That must be traumatic. Your mother is in the hospital. You are a doctor, trained medical professional, but they don't take you seriously. Yes. One small example, I was visiting my mother daily, and so I was observing what was happening with her, and she was being given intravenous fluids. And I noticed that her hands were getting puffy. And I said to her doctor, I think she's getting too many fluids. I don't think he followed through or took me seriously because the next day he called me and said, we gave your mother too many fluids and now she's having difficulty breathing. Wow. What'd you say to that? That's very disheartening. And that's just one example. And it really caused me to struggle with trusting her doctors and trusting that what they were telling me was in her best interest. It just made it so much harder to collaborate, to, to do what was right for her. We've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare on The Recount Daily Pod. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare. We're talking about medical racism. A lot of people listening might not be familiar with African American history and the distrust in the medical community. Can you give us a little sense of what kind of started this with the Tuskegee study? A lot of people do reference the Tuskegee study when they're trying to understand the root causes of distrust in the African-American community. It was an experiment that was conducted by the public health agency, started in the 40s, didn't end until the 1970s, where a group of African-American men who had syphilis were deliberately not treated without their knowledge so that they could study the course of the disease. And when people found out about that experiment, they were horrified. And people do still remember Tuskegee and still do bring it up as evidence that the healthcare system does not value Black lives and that it can't be trusted. But as I said, our personal experience is evidence for us every day of the lack of investment in healthcare in underserved communities. Medical malpractice apparently begins in the womb. I was fascinated to learn this, that a 2020 study from George Mason University found that Black infants are three times more likely to die than white babies who were cared for by white doctors. Why do you think, Dr. Batchelor, that is? And what might be happening that's different for Black babies if they were treated by a Black doctor? I must say that I was shocked when I heard the results of that study and As a doctor, I was not predisposed to believe that people within our profession would discriminate to such an extent. But I have to say that my experiences as a patient, my experience advocating for my mother as a patient, have made me realize that there are differences in how we're treated within a a healthcare setting, in addition to the structural differences that result in communities of color not having access to the same quality of healthcare services that other communities have. We talk a lot about, quote unquote, implicit bias. Um, That seems like a less charged way of saying that we're not being treated the same. So I don't think we have had an opportunity to dig deeper into the study about the, the babies, but it's consistent with the experience that many of us have within the healthcare system. You know, tennis phenomenon, Serena Williams shared her story of nearly losing her life during childbirth a couple years ago. And it's not just her. According to the CDC, Black women in the U.S. are over three times more likely to die from pregnancy or from childbirth-related causes than white women. Can you break down what's going on here? I don't think we completely understand what's going on. I mean, one thing that we do know is that, you know, again, women of color don't have access to the same kinds of services, healthcare services that other people have. And as an example, we have labor and delivery services at our hospital. We have women walking into our emergency room in labor who have never had prenatal care because there is a profound shortage of obstetricians in our community. We actually had a woman who came into our hospital and delivered twins And she had no idea that she was carrying twins. So we know that there are these structural causes that are linked to lack of access to health care. But I think we're just now starting to do more study of 
the bias that's also built into our healthcare system, you know, the personal bias. What do you think it'll take for people of color to feel safe and trust their medical professionals? We need to see that all communities have access to quality health care. Uh, I think we need to bring the Medicaid program and the payments that are made to providers through the Medicaid program at least to the same level as Medicare. We need to diversify the healthcare workforce so that people of color have options and can choose to have a provider who looks like them if that's what they're most comfortable with. And we need to see an elimination of the kind of health disparities that we've been talking about today. I want to go back to COVID. What do you think could change the game, particularly in the Black community, to get more people vaccinated? So I think that the work that our healthcare system has been doing is a good example of what can happen when you have a high-quality medical system with a diverse group of providers who have the resources to go into the community educate and inform members of the community and make vaccines easily available. Our system has given approximately 35,000 doses of COVID vaccines to people in our community and in our hospital. And we've been doing it at places that people feel comfortable. So we go to churches, schools, senior centers, uh, grocery store parking lots, housing projects, and we have doctors available to talk to people about their fears and their concerns. And, you know, we make it easy for them. They don't have to sign up on a computer system. They can walk up and get a vaccine. So it's a combination, I think, of people that are trusted in the community, education and information, and making it accessible and convenient. I also think that as a society, we are going to have both carrots and sticks to encourage as many people as possible to get vaccinated. So I strongly believe in mandates and in incentives. We had a mandate for healthcare workers in our hospital to get vaccinated before the state came out with its mandate. And I feel very strongly that, you know, if we're working in healthcare, we have a responsibility to protect our patients, to protect our community, and to model the right behavior. What would you say to people who might not understand or really care about medical racism? Well, I say that I hope that they have learned differently as a result of what we've seen happening with the pandemic. I think the pandemic has given us a perfect example of how connected we all are to each other and that we can't successfully isolate ourselves from the impact that having poor health has on others in our community. We all have interactions with our essential workers. These are the people that live in my community. These are the people of color who are working in your grocery store, who are cooking your food, who are cleaning up after you, who are caring for your children. And you continue to have interaction with them. If their health isn't good, and if they're susceptible to a pandemic, then we're all susceptible. I think we've all seen over the past year and a half, the huge impact that this has had on our economy, our education of our children, our health, our mental health, we're all connected. And we need to ensure that every person in our society is healthy and has opportunities to access the healthcare they need. We're all in this together. 
You're absolutely right. We are all connected. Dr. Lane Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. And now to the look ahead. Here's what else we're watching today. President Joe Biden will host a meeting on supply chains as global disruptions continue to tamp down growth forecasts and also threaten the holiday shopping season. Joining in the talks will be the leadership of the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, as well as the International Longshore and Warehouse Union. The administration will also hold a roundtable with some impacted companies, including Walmart, UPS and Home Depot. Biden will deliver remarks after the meeting. UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak will host the G7 finance ministers meeting in Washington, D.C. A draft document for the meeting revealed that the panel will call for transparency and privacy protection as part of a common set of guiding principles for central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. China is by far the furthest country along in creating a digital yuan. Two other high-profile annual finance meetings will also be taking place this week in D.C., including the World Bank Group and the International Monetary Fund. Space, the final frontier. Actor William Shatner, yes, Captain Kirk of the USS Enterprise himself, will make history today by being the oldest person ever to travel into space at 90. Shatner will be accompanied by three other passengers on the Blue Origin rocket, the same company that launched Jeff Bezos into space in July. Along with the passengers will be thousands of postcards written by children across the country. Once they touch back on Earth, each postcard will be marked with a stamp saying, flown to space before being sent back to their owners. Have a great rest of your day. This is The Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount and iHeartRadio. Thank you to Dr. Elaine Batchelor, CEO of MLK Community Healthcare, for being on the show. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast app. Filling in for Rena Nainen, I'm Kimberly Gavant. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.